And welcome back into the Canucks and Pucks podcast on uh, Saturday morning uh, over here. And it's uh, been a great week for Canucks talk. Lots of rumors around the team. Um, biggest thing is uh, Ekman Larson coming into the trade rumors. And that's a big thing we'll talk about this morning. Um, very happy to be joined by the Orca overseas on Twitter. Um, over, And he's actually over in Europe. So this is a later night for him. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. I'm in, I'm actually in England. Yeah, uh, I'm here over school. My name is Zane, by the way, just for everyone out listening. Um, yeah. So I also bring back uh, my co-host Dan, as uh, as always. Uh, Dan, how are you doing today as well? It is a beautiful Saturday. We're into the fall now, and. Uh, the smoke is cleared from the lower mainland, so I'm pretty happy. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, though, I don't have any tear crumpets to uh, bring to this uh, conversation today. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it's the uh, biggest thing, like I said earlier, is uh, Ekman Larson uh, being rumored, heavy rumors uh, coming over to the Canucks and uh, two teams that he's been kind of talking about as waiving his no movement clause for the Boston Bruins and of course the Canucks. So it's, it could happen. There's a lot happening. What are your thoughts on that first? So, uh, well, the first thing obviously you think is that cumbersome contract, isn't it? Like that 8.25 million, isn't it? To 2027. Um, that's obviously the first thing that I think, you know, Ekman Larson is a good player. He'd be an excellent addition to our, to our squad. And I think with the predicted leaving of Chris Tanev in the off season, that he, he would definitely fill a gap. But the, the biggest thing is making this contract work numbers-wise for sure. I think that uh, Arizona would have to be per, uh, to willing to retain or take a bad contract. And I know they've they've said to Darren Dreger that they're after a, a first-round pick, at least a young D and cap space, which is something that both teams, Boston or Vancouver, be super uh, hard-pressed to, to, to give, won't they? Um, so they'd have to retain. And if you look at at sort of the, uh, the contracts that – they would have to look at taking on that's either the Erickson Sutter or Furlan contracts for me. And um, the Furlan being with the LTIR and the other two, uh, you know, they would, I guess with the Erickson contract, it would help them reach the cap floor, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And in fact, one of the interesting things is when you do the math on it, um, just from a math standpoint, their cap hit is really strong, but the actual dollars going out is, I believe it's like $14 million less than what the actual cap hit is. And, and the thing about Arizona right now is it isn't just that they're cash strapped. I mean, the league is supporting that team and there's, there's a lot of components we'll talk to about it, but you know, to, to bring down as much dollar values as they can, like actual dollars, that has to be their goal right now because that franchise is hanging on by a thread. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing is with Ekman Larson, like you, everyone's pointing to the cap hit, but like you said, with the dollar amounts, they want to reduce that and, I mean, the cap hit's going to be a problem for the Canucks to get. Like, $8.5 million is a lot to add on. But if they're able to offload, like, a Louis Erickson or, uh, you know, Sutter contracts on them, it's it's a beneficial thing to do. But And Ekman Larson is a hell of a defenseman as well. So, I mean, there's been talk about him, you know, coming and saying, well, his defense is not the best. His, his underlying numbers aren't aren't strong. But, I mean, he's still a very good defenseman in the NHL. And, uh, you know, he may have had an off season last year, but he's still, he's hit 40, 50 points for, uh, for a lot of his career. Yeah, totally. I, I would agree that with that as well. Um, and it's important obviously to, to know the nitty gritty with the cap numbers as well, which is what, which is the only way I can see this, this trade working. 
Um, it would be an, uh, an excellent addition to our team and as well to Boston. I think that they could really use a, a strong defensive piece. Uh, I think, you know, with Chara aging a little bit, he could slot into their, well, definitely into their top two. That would be awesome for them. And so I think it's just really a competition of who can provide the best contract in return and the best package. And all of Reckman Larson, you know, I, I was hearing it the other day, I don't know where from, uh, comparing it to sort of the sim the situation that uh, Kessler uh, was given the, given the Canucks uh, to the Anaheim trade with not really you know much options. So if Boston and Vancouver are really the two options that he's enforcing his uh, no trade contract. I would think that that puts Arizona in a tough spot to to accept one of these contracts back. Yeah, I think what's interesting about it is that you're like you said they they've handcuffed the team first of all with with only two teams that he'd go to number one number two that everything we've talked about is really what how the trade deal is going to go down so if you're if you're it, but if you're the canucks or you're boston you're you're still signaling a fundamental shift in your thinking did any either of those teams prior to this go into this offseason thinking hey we should trade for oliver ekman larson right all of a sudden pete throws that in there and now you've got you know, you've got an opportunity to get a potential, at least a, a number three D-man is what I think of him at this point. And if you are going to go after Alvin Ekman-Larsen, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, as you mentioned, aside from Boston, where Chara's coming off the books in Vancouver, you're basically saying, okay, Tanev's gone and most likely Markstrom's gone then if we make this trade for Ekman-Larsen, because that's really the only way that they'll be able to cap-wise really fit that in and, and make it work for them. Because I think that, even if you get rid of the Louis Erickson $12 million over two seasons, $6 million a season, you're still in a situation where you're bringing in this defenseman and now you're just back in the same situation of can we fit uh, Markstrom under the cap? And I just don't think you can. Yeah, I, to I totally agree with that, 100%. And I think that that's going to be the main struggle is figuring out that cap hit because with all of the uh, – I think what right, right now, what do we have? $14.2 million in cap space, but obviously that doesn't tell the full story with uh with everything going on considering all the contracts we have to sign to so i would think this is to me this has kind of come out of nowhere like i never expected that oliver ackman larson would be even a talking point for us and i think just uh you know as situations evolve especially with that arizona team like you mentioned uh who was struggling with uh you know they've already got that uh that punishment from the league and not to mention with their owner and paying and things I, I imagine that this is this has just come out of nowhere for me and i, I think uh, if it works it would be nice but if not um, I think that we still have several uh, challenges to, to to take on. And I think what you just said is really important. Like I, I've seen a few people like, oh, they're going to want this massive value back. They're in a spot where they can't take on cap. They're in a spot where they're trying to shed cash. They've got no draft picks. You could go to them with a guy that they're only going to have to pay $5 million to over two seasons by, or oh, yeah, two seasons, by the way. $12 million cap hit. You can go back with a, no offense, but an Ole Olevi, and I'm high on Olevi. I don't want, I wouldn't want to do that, but I think they would be willing to say, yeah, this guy showed he could play in the playoffs. I think we could groom him and he would be uh, potentially really good for us. You could give them the rights and maybe they can make a deal uh, with uh, Vertan and, and give up a first next year. You could make a package that fans not only would accept, but Arizona would probably feel comfortable with seeing as they're getting a guy who's a 15 plus goal scorer over two seasons. So there's some consistency there. Like there, there are pieces that, and, and with that cap it, there are these pieces in place that will actually make sense. Not because we're Canucks fans here. This makes sense for Arizona because it solves a lot of issues with their team 
uh, right away. And the biggest one, of course, is the, you know, taking $60 million off of your payroll. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. And it's just, it, is it, it's just as if, uh, if Arizona is really going to, to be able to, you know, look at their standards and look at, are, are they going to accept what they're initially asking for? Because both these teams don't have a first round draft pick this year. And we know that they have been asking for that. So I think as far as trade bait goes, I know that you just said that you Levy wouldn't be someone you wanted to trade. When I saw him this playoffs just for that one game, he did look impressive. He looked like he could hang with them. And maybe there's some bias because he, you know, he was one of the only uh, players out of that draft class that really hasn't played much, you know, much of any significant time. So if I'm looking at it, I would say that he would have to be a piece included because if they're looking for a young D prospect, who really else could you give that has some, you know, bonafide uh, blue chip um, sort of qualities to them. And I don't really think we have that um, just yet or at the level that this trade would command. So I would say that uh, for sure, you will level, you would have to be on my list as far as trade bait, but it's whether or not you do it, just like you said. And I don't think just because there's a big name that's mentioned out there that you have to jump forward or pull the trigger on it. I think that uh, it's nice that players want free uh, players are really looking at coming to Vancouver. I think that's a positive for us as a fan base, but we should really, we should really think if it makes sense for us. And, you know, we don't want to be pressing our books too much for when Pedersen and uh, Hughes are, are due up next. Exactly. And, and to put it, sorry, Matt, I'll let you talk. I was just going to say real quick and to put it in perspective too, what Boston is offering is far more appealing. Like in terms of actual value, I believe the rumor is Carlo, Louis DeBras and, and a pick. So, I mean, for, 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 for the Coyotes, you know, that is the far, a far safer and more sound um, offer for a player like Ekman Larson. But that's not to say that, that the cap numbers on that would work and it would work better than what Vancouver could offer them. Yeah. I, I have a, the thing is, is like you're saying about uh, what other defensemen that the Canucks could put on the trade. And this one, I don't like, and uh, there has been talk about, you know, Jack Rathbone being included in a trade. And I, I don't like that trade at all. And the thing is, is, but I mean, Yulevi could be that guy that, uh, that would be included as well. It's either Yulevi or Rathbone in my mind as being the two like young defense prospects that um, they could include in a trade. And then there's been talk about Vertanen being in there too. And I mean, it's like you said, the, the DeBrusque, Carlo and a pick, I mean, that's a far bigger value, um, you know, on a player standpoint, but for dollars wise, I think the Canucks can probably uh, add a bit more to that. But I mean, it, it's, it's going to be insane. The thing is, even talking about Ekman Larson wanting to come to the Canucks and, there's a lot of factors involved in that. Like, you know, he loved, he's played with Pedersen in the past in international play with Team Sweden. He's played with him, played with Edler. As he's paired with Edler on world championships as well. So, and you know what, it's, he, and you know, there's been rumors that he's, that was his, his preferred spot is Vancouver. So, I mean, but he's been able to wave for, for Boston and, and the Canucks. So it's, it's going to be a toss up of what they're able to get done in the, in the future here. Well, when you, when you think about when Kessler asked for a trade and pretty much it was Anaheim or bust, right? Yeah. And handcuffed Vancouver Canucks into making a deal that was the best deal they could make given the circumstances. That's what Arizona's in and no offense. I know some people are again, Oh, well, that, that's a terrible trade. <laughs> if that's the best deal they're going to get. And if they're really cash strapped, they probably are going to have to take it because like I said, again, the league 
and the other owners are supporting this franchise. How much more is the league and the, and, and, and the owners going to just keep giving tens of millions of dollars to a franchise that nobody even wants to go and watch anymore? Yeah, I would say the exact same thing too. Um, it's really difficult because I, I think that over time, it's really proved that hockey in Arizona isn't really working out too well, especially because the team is in, you know, aren't they, they're not in a big hub city as well. So I imagine that it's difficult for them as well. Um, I think that's a whole other issue too on relocation and, and things like that. But I, I think that that's, the, this is the right storm for if Arizona is going to take on slightly, maybe a less than market value deal or a less than attractive deal with the, with these contracts are going to have to take back now is the time. And so I think that does give the Canucks a bit of leverage, but just as you say, I, I have the feeling that Boston's package is um, a little bit more comprehensive, a little bit uh, um, more appetizing to an Arizona Coyotes team at this moment. Yeah. And in, in Arizona too, I mean, they've got some pieces coming up through their system. Are they going to want lots more prospects? Like I've heard people say, Oh, maybe the Canucks can throw out a coal end or uh, Arizona's got lots of prospects too. So it, it isn't like throwing in more prospects is going to, to work for them. Um, it, it's a matter of, can you make it work? And as you just said, with Chara going out, Boston probably has a much easier, um, uh, way of not only fitting him in, but then they re-signed Tory Krug, and then the Boston machine just keeps on rolling. There's been talk about Krug not re-signing there too, so it's it's <laughs> it's going to be an interesting offseason when it gets started with free agency and, and the trades have been starting. Like today, had a ton of news already in the morning on on different re-signs. Like Robin Leonard re-signed with the Vegas Golden Knights, so now Flurry may be on the move and. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, next few days. No, no, I was going to say, I think we should talk about that because it affects Markstrom. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that that, uh, that deal because Robin Leonard's now off the market. Um, Vegas is probably going to move Flurry. So, and Markstrom is now probably his value on the trade, on the, not trade, the free agent market has gone up because he's now one of the bigger names available. Yeah, so I think for sure that, uh, what did they lock him up with? with a $25 million deal is a five years? I think yeah. that, uh, yeah, so I think, and as well, you have to think Lundqvist has just been bought out. I know that he's not a marquee sign uh, signee right now, but, you know, there are some names out there at the moment. I think that as far as the Canucks go to, to not re-sign um, Markstrom or, or uh, if lo and behold, he gets a better offer somewhere else and signs, that would really be a statement of confidence in Demko. But at this moment, I think that they could really re-sign uh, Markstrom. I don't know what number. I would be thinking, you know, max that you would really want to be able to pay him a 6.5, I think. I think any higher above that is really questionable. But uh, you could really make a decision on, like Jim Betting has said, I believe, you can make a decision on these guys at the trade de deadline uh, next year ahead of the expansion draft. So I think that uh, signing Markstrom may put some competition in our crease that we see through, you know, the, the beginning portion uh, just before playoffs um, uh, for the team. And I think that would be good for both of them personally. See, I've got a crazy notion here that we're going to get into now because I don't think Jim Benning wants above like 5.75. Honestly, I, I have nothing to base that on is supposition. Um, I know uh, we've heard of many sources that Detroit's going to take a long, hard run at him and they're looking in the six and a half range. Right. And he's looking for stability. He's looking for no trade, which means you expose Demko. So if you're Vancouver, do you want to do that? Or, if, if, or, you know, here's my thing with goaltenders and maybe this might make, I don't know how much you guys follow football but 
the running backs in football used to be like heavy, high contract uh, demands. They would get long-term deals and that's completely stopped. Running backs have gotten way less dollars on their contracts now because there are so many good running backs. I think the goaltending position in the NHL is becoming that. I believe that the goaltending position, because there are so many good goalies, because they're so well coached and because they can come in and play at that level, goaltenders' values, I think, are actually going to start to drop. And I don't know if you're going to see these, you know, eight to $10 million deals and, and, I don't see anybody taking on Marc-Andre Fleury's $7 million contract. Seriously, even if they retain some salary. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see it unless they retain, say, half the salary. Just simply because, and, and on cap book, because goaltenders, and, and, and I know they're not a dime a dozen now, where these goaltenders are like, wow, he's played really good. I mean, you know, Dubnik's probably on his way to San Jose is what we saw today. I don't see goalies as being these high value uh, uh, positions anymore, just simply because there are so many good goalies that are coming out. There's so many good goalies coming up through the drafts and in the systems. Uh, it's, you know, I think teams are going to be much more comfortable um, spending that money on depth throughout their, throughout the, the rest of their roster than putting $12 million like Vegas has right now into your goaltender on an $80 million cap hit and, you know, 12 you know what is that like 16 percent of your your cap is dedicated to two goalies that's crazy yeah i i agree totally with that i mean the thing is is like we just saw tristan jari resign in pittsburgh uh for 3.5 and most likely matt murray is gone now i mean he's he's a restricted free agent coming up on arbitration and you know how fast matt murray kind of got pushed out of pittsburgh um, pretty quickly. I mean, he's he's only been there for a few seasons, and now he's lost his job as a starter. So I mean, it's the flux, the way that goaltending kind of is in flux around the league. There's no real long-term starters anymore. Like you don't see a Marty Brodeur, uh, you know, play so many seasons for one franchise. And Lundqvist was probably the biggest, the biggest guy that was, and he's even getting bought, bought out. So it, it's an interesting, interesting position. That's for sure. Well, you look at you look at Bobrovsky and how you know he performed admirably for Florida, but a lot of people thought that at least I saw a few people that said, "Oh, Bobrovsky, you know, didn't play as good." And you just mentioned, I think one of the biggest things is here's Yari who comes in and he's displaced Matt Murray. He's their goaltender. And you know they're going to ride this $3.5 million contract as long as they can. And when it's like, okay, I'm ready for a raise, guess what? They're going to dump him. And yeah. they're going to go. Yeah. And they're just going to get another goalie for $3.5 million that they've developed that's ready to play, that's happy to play at that level. That's what I mean when I say I think this is the new – like this is the running back of the NHL. Yeah, I, I'm really – I mentioned it. Yeah, it's true. And that like Casey DeSmith in Pittsburgh there, I think he's probably going to be the next one. And it's, I thought he was going to be over Jari, you know, honestly. But I mean, the thing is, is it's, yeah, like it, it is, it's true. You make a very good point with that in, in the running back uh, comparison, because it's really seems to be going that way. I mean, teams aren't going to want to pay that huge amount just for their goaltender when they could be, you know, filling out their defense or even their depth at, at forward. And the reason I say this, and I want your and I want your opinion on this, is that if the Canucks decide to let Markstrom go and they keep uh, Demko, and let's say they are able to sign Demko for the same kind of three, three and a half, okay, and they have Lamont in say for four or five years that way, how many fewer games will Vancouver win 
with Demko in the lineup versus Markstrom, number one. And number two, are they a better team then? Can they spend that money, that, you know, $2 million elsewhere to help the rest of the team be better? That, that's honestly the question. I, I'm, I'm curious about what you guys have to say about that. So I, th- I think for me, that's a, those are great questions. I think um, if I'm going to start with about $2 million or whatever the difference would be between those two contracts, you really got to look and see at the moment, are we going to save that? Are we, if it's today that we have to decide that Markstrom is gone, are we going to use that money to sign the RFAs that are gone? And I know that Jim Benning isn't really high on, on uh, Jake Vertanen right now, but could that money be you know, used for a Troy Stetcher maybe? Um, but I would say also that you, you got to look at saving money so that we have something to give at the, or scrape the bottom of the barrel for next year when Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are up. And um, I, as far as Demko versus Markstrom, how many fewer games would we, would we win? I think that's extremely tough to say. Demko looks sh- so sharp coming in off of however many months not playing. And then those two games he gave us in the playoffs, stopping, oh, what was it? Almost 100 shots. That, that, that's amazing. And I think that... If, if that is the Demco we are to see to, to come forward here, I, I think that, 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 we, that we can be confident in. in. But I think it will, it will really de- uh, depend come training camp, come day one, to see what, what's going on. And I think that in that case, Markstrom should really be re-signed. But I, 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 if he's not, I think we're okay to, to keep going. I'm, I'm of the same, same thinking. I mean, the thing is, is and I've been a proponent of Demco taking over as the starter over Markstrom next season in the past. And, I think, you know, you put a guy that's, you know, he's, he's younger. He's, you know, just on the cusp of becoming a number one in the NHL. And he re-signed Markstrom. I, you're basically saying that Demko's not going to be a Canuck very much longer. I don't think he's going to want to be a backup for a bunch of seasons and, uh, and then take over a starting job and, and be in, you know, upper age there. I, I just find it very hard to believe that that's, you know, something that he would do. And like, I agree. I, I think I don't think there's gonna be much of a difference in wins to having Demko or Markstrom. Like you said, if we see that that Demko's turned that corner and that he's going to be the the goaltender that we saw in those last few games of the playoffs, I think the Canucks are more than uh, good enough in the future on the goaltending position. I think. And that's really kind of like I mean, this is fun for us to talk about because we're armchair QB or quarterbacks, or in this case, GMs. And, and you know, we, we, we don't know all the inner workings. I mean, we've talked about it before, Matt, about how important chemistry is. And I know Markstrom is well-loved in the room and everything. Um, that That's why I bring this up is that if the Canucks are going to be pretty much the same with Demko, but now you've got as a cap room that, that you can spend or save for when you need it for a rainy day or whatever it is, I, I think you have to take that because you're not managing year by year anymore. You're managing like three, four years down the road and, and all the pieces that, that go together and how do you fit them in and how do you take advantage of these ELCs now coming in with Rathbone, you'll levy if he stays, um, uh, uh, Coles and Hoglander. Like, that's the ELC the Canucks have to take advantage of in the next two and a half, three years, is those ELCs. Yeah, we talked about that with Sam in the last episode about taking advantage of those ELCs because that's the biggest thing in the NHL now. And, you know, you're going to have to pay these guys these huge contracts. And, you know, it'd be good to have, like, that's what, you know, just going to Edmonton's point, uh, you know, with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, they just pissed away that uh, those ELCs on them and they're paying them what 20, 
25, 30, you know, around thir- around that big number for both of them. And it's it's been a struggle to kind of fill out their roster with that big contract. So, but on the Canucks side, that's what they're looking at. They're going to have Hughes and Pedersen at those numbers for uh, many years, and they only have one more year on their ELC. So they've already kind of in that boat that they're going to have to be competitive with those high numbers yeah i think that totally um to resign both of them I, I i can't even begin to imagine what sort of numbers that they're going to command i think we're really gonna have to see their numbers next year and as far as being smart with those ES, elc contracts i think the Canucks um have been at, at times we've gotten on the uh, uh by playing those players early and you know their contracts come up a, a little bit earlier i believe it is that provided us to get a good look at them beforehand and some experience. I think that's helped both. I believe Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes had had a similar situation there. Uh, so I think I think that's really helped them and mature as players. But as far as the, the numbers that come up on their ELC deals, I think that's it's going to be really difficult to tell. And we're going to just have to sit and sit and see how high they could go. And you know, the stars, the limits at the at this point. And that's why it's so important to save money on our contracts this year. Yeah, it's. And that, that's going to be the juggling act that Bending is going to be faced with. And it's going to be an interesting, this offseason is very, it's a short offseason too. It's not as long as in past years. And it, everything's going to have to go like fast and furious in the next, uh, I'd say next few weeks. I think a lot is going to happen. So everyone's going to have to be uh, on Twitter going crazy if I find out all the news. Well, and I think um, Pierre Lebrun said that, um, Jim Benning has been the most active GM this offseason so far. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he has been burning up the phones about moving those contracts, trying to get rid of them. And, and here's the agents, he said, for both Brandon Sutter and Louis Erickson, calling other teams, seeing if they're interested in, in those players and that. So it's, it's a, the, you know, the best thing that could have happened to Vancouver was having the playoff run like they did because it raised the stock of both of those players. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how this uh, turns out. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, let's, let's get into our, um, our be a GM segment uh, with our new guest here and uh, what your team would look like for the, for the 2021 season. So I'll give you the floor. Okay. So I thought, I've thought about this for a few days now, and I think that's going to be really tough to tell. So I've used uh, the article that you wrote, Matthew, recently as sort of a baseline uh, but I, I've thought long and hard about who's going to stay and who's going to go. So I think the most pressing thing and the things that people want to hear right now is talking about Toffoli. Um, you know, I've loved Toffoli coming in. Tyler Toffoli has been an awesome addition to us and I would love to make him stay. But um, if, if there's any uh, truth to these OEL rumors, uh, as well as if Markstrom isn't going to be able to settle um, for anything lower than 6 million, I think that we're really going to have to look at uh, shipping him out. Um, in addition to uh, Chris Tanev as well, I think that he, you know, it's been rumored that he's pretty much gone as well. Um, and that's if we're going to make room for, for later on to sign Pedersen and Hughes later on, um, as well as Troy Stetcher. Uh, as far as Jake Vertanen goes, I think that's another big talking part. I think that Benning really illuminated his thoughts on the issue. Um, if you, if you think what he said, he, he wanted to see more from Jake Vertanen during these playoffs. And I think all of us really did. We, we, were, we were saying as, as media, lots of were saying that, you know, uh, this is Jake Vertanen's time to shine. He's a playoff guy. He'll come out. That's when we'll see him play. But in reality, we didn't really see him impose his will as much. And the goal he did score wasn't necessarily from being that big power forward that he's supposed to be. Um, so what do you guys think? I mean, we've talked a lot about Jake Vertanen throughout the whole uh... – like playoff run and, and stuff like that. And yeah, it, the thing is that he's been a big talking point, not just this past few months, but in the last few years. And 
the one thing about Vertanen is like it's frustrating to see him not um, do what he's supposed to do, especially on the offensive side. And you know, with his size and his speed, he could be a ridiculously good player. And his work ethic just is never high enough, or his consistency to be that type of player. So uh, we'll see what happens. I don't. I think he has played his last uh, game as a, as a Canuck. I think he'll be in a different jersey next season, and uh, hopefully. I mean, for his sake, I hope he does put it together, but uh, I don't think it's going to be here. I, 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 I thought some of the things you said were interesting, and I totally agree with what you said about if you're going to get Alvin ekman Larson, two of the three are gone, no matter what the combination is. So whether it's Tanev, Toffoli, Toffoli, Markstrom, Markstrom, Tanev, like whatever the combination is, two of those three are gone. Um, and, and I know you're like, I'm big on Markstrom, which means also Demko's gone then. Because you can't keep Demko, right? Like you just, you just literally can't. He's at the end of his, his, he's in his last season. So I think that that's interesting. But I wanted to pick up on what you said about Stetcher because I find that a very interesting um, uh, take on 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 Stetcher because you know a, a lot about about these other players. But why would you want to? Why are you thinking that keeping Stetcher in the lineup would be a good thing for the Vancouver Canucks and lead to success for them? Well, the first thing I think uh, about Stetcher is if we if we just separate his play for a minute, he's a huge character guy, and I think he's really good for that locker room. I think that was one of the biggest stories that you that you saw over the uh, the bubble was how close Vancouver came together. You know, they're a young group and they've got a core, and uh, I think Troy Stetcher really, uh, you know, he's a Vancouver kid, and I think that he really brought a lot to that. But in addition to his play, he seemed to be really solid. You know, he seemed to be uh, a state, like, you seem to know what you're going to get out of Troy Stetcher. And the mistakes he may make here and there, he seems to also recover for his teammates quite a bit as well. And I know that uh, there, there might be an issue. I believe he has arbitration rights, which is which could, you know, uh, uh, put the Canucks off at least to uh, uh, renewing his deal. Because what does he make right now? I believe it's almost $2 million, if not uh, if not more. So I, yeah, I there's, that, there's talk, there's talk. He could be looking in that 3.8 to $4 million range for a contract. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, that, that's quite pricey for, for Troy Stetcher. And I think that's going to be the toughest decision, but I think also if Troy sees what's be, uh, going on in Vancouver, you know, where he, he might be willing, hopefully he'd be willing to, to look at something that uh, is a little less in value than market value. But, you know, with arbitration rights, you, you really can't, you really don't know these days. And so that'll be a very tough decision because he's a fan favorite. We love Troy Stetcher. I personally, I love his energy, uh, the ritual he brings every game, throwing up the water. I think he's a really good character guy. And I think the Canucks would really miss him. And at some point, you got to think making these financial decisions, it's going to be difficult to uh, – to, to get rid of these character guys because that could alter the, the shape of the locker room. And I think that's something that wouldn't get talked a lot. It might seem as a, as a small factor, but that's a big story for this team. Yeah. I mean, Troy Stetcher is, I've always been a fan of his, but uh, to Dan's point, I think, you know, with Stetcher and, you know, that upgrade in his salary, I, I don't know. It is, it is a real big contract for a guy that probably will play that third pairing minute. And, uh, and that, I mean, I don't know if the Canucks can do something to actually upgrade that uh, in free agency, but uh, yeah, I mean, I love Stetcher. Don't get me wrong, but uh, in that price range, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say the same thing too. If, if that's the price range we're looking at, uh, like you said, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's too bad, but I, I don't see how we can make that work. And 
Um, especially when you look at what's going on with next year's lineup, having a, um, a whole virtual stretcher would, would mean that things, guys like Brogan Rafferty would have to step up another depth D that are coming up from Utica or otherwise uh, we'd really have to look and try and, you know, try and see if we can get guys like Oscar Fantenberg back in our depth D uh, if we're going to start losing guys like Troy Stetcher. And that just adds complexity too to the OEL rumors as well. So I think that this is a, uh, <laughs> Not a hot mess, but it's quite a handful that Benning's got to deal with. And I think this quiet period that we've dealt with, other than this most recent rumor, is really going to ramp up, uh, like you said, around draft time and afterwards. Well, I think it's interesting in the sense that, you know, the, the goal in the offseason is to improve your team, to get better. And what I find interesting is that, at least from what I've seen um, on a few message boards, some of the articles, I mean, people kind of want to keep the same team together. Like they're just going to naturally get better. And, you know, that's what I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing your team in that when we, when we put our, when we put our teams together, that, that was the intention was how do you make them better? How do you make them a better team? And I can honestly say like Ekman Larson, if they make a trade for him and stature moves out again, because there's some, here's some cap, you know, here's cap stuff that, that they're swapping and, and all that. But um, you know, uh, Ekman Larson as a second pairing anchor for the Vancouver Canucks, he actually, he makes them a better team. Like he literally does. And if your top four, and I know this sounds weird, but if your top four were Hughes, Myers, Ekman Larson, and, and Edler, I think very few, few people would complain about that as your top four going into next season, if they were able to make that work. Yeah. I, I think the same thing too. Um, the, the, that top four is an excellent top four. And I think you've got a great combination of those big sturdy defensemen um, in Myers and to a, to a degree, uh, Ekman Larson too, but you also have the puck moving or and sorry, Edler as well. And the, the, the puck moving the ability that Hughes has. So, yeah. So I think my, my, uh, my roster would, would definitely include that if, if that was possible. But I, at this point, I don't know how likely that would be. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Like we're, we're, we're going off of, you know, kind of how are the pieces going to fit together and such, but I think that's why the old Ekman, you know, the, the, the Ekman Larson um, piece was just, kind of out of the blue and, and made you kind of re-question and rethink the team. But I think rejigging it to be a better team and to be, you know, to, to improve and be better, you have to have internal growth. You just have to. And, you know, to come back with the same team over and over again, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it may not work out. And we've, we've seen, you know, with Edmonton there, um, you know, it, it hasn't, it hasn't worked. You need to have that. You need to have that rotation of players. Yeah, for sure. That, that's the, uh, that that's just the truth at the end of the day you've got to get you got to get balance as well in that top four at least if you're looking on defense uh to be able to to grind teams down uh especially considering looking at the, the types of games we were playing in the playoffs as well uh trying to mitigate those top forwards from being able to to assert their dominance on on the opposition and also to be able to move the puck effectively out of our zone to give our guys a chance when we're under heat yeah so since we're talking about defense uh let's Let's talk about who your set or three pairings would be uh, going into next season. Then we'll go from there, go to the forwards and the goaltending. Sure. Okay. So I think that if we're looking at a top pairing, I think that this might be the year that we see that Edler probably comes off of it. And I'd like to see Hughes and Myers as well uh, on the, on that top lineup. I think also slotting that uh, top four would be Edler, but really we have another hole, like you said, because we're looking at guys like Yuli, 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 uh, and Fantenberg, if we resign him back, 
uh, and maybe Brogan Rafferty stepping up into the lineup as well. So I, it's hard to say. It, it's probably easier to say who that bottom pairing, bottom pairing will be rather than that middle pairing. And I think that, you know, there's been rumors about, like we said, OEL. Um, I've heard some about Barry as well. So we've really got a hole in that, uh, that second pairing or in our top four that we've got to pair with Edler. Curious about Rathbone. And the reason I say that is that one thing about, well, you'll love he's been um, – battling injuries the last two years uh, maybe three if you want to go that that deep and he's been battling injuries and so they've had a tough time with him Rathbone has just proven time and again and, and you know I was been watching some highlights of his I mean this kid is a, a is a Quinn Hughes light in the way that he plays the game moves the puck in that you know I, I don't you know unfortunately I don't know enough about Brogan Rafferty where I could say hey that could be a okay bottom pairing um but i've you know we talked to sam last week sam said that that jordy ben is actually a right hand defenseman like that was is his natural position and they switched him over to left if you're going to keep jordy ben i would really love to see uh rathbone with with jordy ben as as the third pairing because i think that that gives some confidence and 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 perhaps is really going to help uh uh, uh, Jordy, uh, or, or yeah, Jordy Ben. Like I actually think Jordy Ben and and uh, and um, Fattenberg played really well in the playoffs when they had to step in because of the injuries. Yeah, I'd say the same thing too. I was really impressed by Fattenberg particularly, and like you said, I actually didn't know that about uh, Jordy Ben because at times that I thought just from the eye test that he struggled a little bit. Um, and yeah, for sure, I think that the depth for our bottom pairings are, are, are really good in those two guys if they can maintain the form that they had in the playoffs, like you said. Uh, but I think that for sure we would really benefit from – maybe that would be a position that we'd really want to upgrade would be in our top four. I think having another puck-moving defenseman um, if, if the Rathbone play doesn't work out because these guys are still young and they're still learning um, and we still got to give them enough time to mature. So I think it, it, it would be a little bit of a waiting game, but I think it wouldn't hurt to, test, to try and see what's out there in the free agent market and to see if we can uh, to pick up a nice guy uh, with a decent contract number that would be able to slot into our lineup and, and maybe play a little bit more offensively. The one thing like I, I say about free agency, I, 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 I kind of hesitate to say that there's going to be a guy that you could get in free agency that would help the Canucks a lot. I don't, I, I like Tyson Berry and that, but I don't, I don't know if he's the right fit uh, here as well. I mean, unless you use him the way he was supposed to be used in Toronto as that offensive defenseman, because I don't think Toronto used him at all in what he was supposed to be. No, they, they, but yeah. they butchered him there. They butchered him there. You, you nailed that, Matt. They, it, it was, it was terrible. They, they had this guy that they had certain expectations and then they never even used him in that role. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's used that way on the, in Vancouver, then I do see the value of having him um, in the lineup because he is that puck moving defenseman. He, you know, we talk about uh, the Ekman Larson, uh, you know, trade rumors and 8.5. I don't think you're paying Tyson Berry 8.5 at all. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing of what, because that, you know, Tyson Berry's been tied to the Canucks in the past as being a guy that hit, that Benning has tried to go after and trade, and then now he's a free agent. So, I mean, it's going to be something, even if, especially if they don't get this OEL trade done, um, that's going to be a target of his for sure. 
And I think that's a good point, Matt, because the Canucks identity, like, like here's, here's the thing. When people were talking, remember originally this happened, when, when people started talking and, oh, let's trade Besser and let's bring in, uh, remember, the, the, the media was just all over this trade Dumba for Besser yeah. type thing. And you're changing the identity completely of your team. Picking up a Tyson Berry, uh, bringing in Alvin Ekman Larson is not changing the identity of your team. You're actually making your team play more to its strengths. And that's, yeah. I think, a really good point in that you don't want to get away from who the Vancouver Canucks start, which is they may give up four or five goals, but they're going to score eight or nine goals. I agree. And the thing is, and that's we've talked about this in the past, about remaking the, the, the Canucks defense to match what the team is. You see all the dynamic forwards the Canucks have. They need defense that can push the pace and move the puck because that was a struggle in the Vegas series in the St. Louis series when the Canucks weren't pushing the pace they're not a very good team and and that's what they need is that de the defense to be able to move the puck and that's why I think the Canucks struggled and we said this in the past why they struggled without Tyler Myers in the lineup because as much as you want to say how much Tyler Myers had problems with you know defense sometimes and you know the penalties he's a puck moving defenseman he can move the puck and push the pace and the Canucks just need more of that in their lineup. Yeah, just just if I could add in on the Tyler Myers thing, I think for sure. Um, I think from my eyes, what he kind of reminds me of is a little bit of uh, Willie Mitchell with that long stick, you know, and I think really we do miss him when he's out of the lineup because on defense, you can see how he can just, he can force uh, break, uh, rushes or or plays down the middle. He can just try and force steer them outside a little bit better and, and block things and get sticks in lanes as well. And I think really, you know, he did. He does it like you said. He had he had a number of blunders that even uh, myself as a fan staying up quite late to watch. You know, he he did make me pull out a few hairs. But uh, I think for sure that we do miss that long reach from times. Um, I, the only thing I would say is I just hope that his uh, discipline would be a little bit better so that we could stay out of the box and you know play to our strengths a little bit more. Yeah. So I mean, so your defense. Um... You know what your pairings. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Yulevi and would you see uh, Yulevi or Rathbone making the team next season, or uh, you think he's they're still uh, AHL bound? So as far as those two go, I, I personally I, I haven't seen enough of Rathbone. Eat, um, maybe as others have, but I, I don't think he would be in the place. But as far as you, Levy, I think for sure I have him in my lineup uh, to slot in. Um, it's, just, it's just about playing with you. Like you said, Jordy Ben may be an option uh, as long as he's back. Uh, but I think you Levy for sure makes the, the, the roster. And I'd be uh, – I'd also think that for Brogan Rafferty too, unless something changes with the trade situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the boat of Rathbone being in the lineup because I've seen him quite a bit. His puck-moving ability and his hockey IQ is just off the charts. I think he's a guy that can step in and be not that top four guy yet, but uh, definitely being a good pot, you know, bottom-pairing defenseman because of that puck-moving ability. Um, but like you said, with uh, these rumors and of, uh, with OEL coming, and it, it could change that dynamic as well. I still think Rathbone's a guy that will make the lineup. It, just on his, uh, you know, his hockey IQ and his, you know, the way he thinks the game, um, I think he does still make the lineup. And you know, if he's there and you'll, and um, and Eklund Larson's here too, I think the Canucks are very formidable puck moving uh, defense back there. I, f I find it interesting in the last few years, uh, at least three or four here, we've seen more and more impactful college players coming in. You have your high-end junior players that come in and can play. But for the most part, junior players like in the dub and, and from the OHL, even the Quebec major junior, unless you're like a super surefire prospect, um, you know, it's, it's 
it, it's getting harder for those players to actually make the, 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 to make NHL teams. Honestly, I see more and more college players. So, and again, Adam Fox is a perfect example of that with the New York Rangers, um, you know, got a few um, uh, Calder votes this year. That's why I'm really high in Rathbone is I think that it isn't just the level that they play. It's the maturity that they're coming out of university at the age of 22, right? They're coming out of university as more mature players and, and the way that they play the game. And so that's why I'm a little bigger on, um, on Rathbone making the team. Although I love Yulevi. Yeah, you can ask Matt. I'm a huge Ole Yulevi fan. Like I, I, I think he, he played awesome. It's just that, um, you know, uh, I think, I think you could potentially move Rathbone actually to the off wing because his skating and his, and his hockey sense are so smart. You can move him from the left to the right. And I don't think you'd see too much of a, of a change in, in his, in his play, but um, yeah, that's just kind of, you know, one of those, that's one of the things that I see where I think Rathbone has the best opportunity to make the Canucks of those three. Yeah, I see that too. And I, I mean, we've talked in the past too about, uh, you know, Quinn Hughes potentially switching sides to the right too. I think he's another guy that can, do that as well i mean to be a right hand right side defenseman because of his smarts and his skating but i mean yeah rathbone's definitely a guy that i think is going to make uh, an impact in the nhl and i i just hope that he's not on like those were when i first heard that rathbone could be included in a trade for uh, ekman larson i was just like if that happens that's a big mistake because uh, i think he's going to be a bona fide top four in the nhl and, uh, you know, that's a lot saying from a guy that was drafted in the fifth round. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing on his development. Like to your point, Dan, about the college players, that, that's a, that's a big, that's a big deal right now. I mean, you mentioned Fox, that was the first guy that came to mind and he actually played uh, with Rathbone. And, uh, and the thing is, is, you know, there was Kale that car. Hey, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Kale McCarr was also college too. So, I mean, it's, it's huge on these guys coming out of college and making huge impacts, not just small, small, you know, blips on the radar. They've been, you know, impact defensemen coming out. And I, I really do see Rathbone doing that too, because, you know, when Adam Fox left, everyone's like, oh, you know, Rathbone's going to kind of regress because he's, you know, he benefited from Fox on that team, but he actually got better and he actually led that team. So, I mean, it, it's, He's going to be a good, a good guy for the Canucks in the future. Yeah. So, so Zane, let's let's move to your forward group. I mean, uh, it's 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 something that could change. We had our last three teams we put together had Sam on the last episode. Um, I want to interested to see what your top six would look like if it would stay the same, or would you do any changes there? Okay. Yeah. So for my top six, I've got one interesting change that I think um, would be of note. So I've got uh, obviously I've got the lot of line to start. I think that they've just looked awesome uh, throughout yes. this year. Yeah, I'm a big Lotta Line fan. I think that they really need to uh, to keep those guys together. I think that it's been absolutely magic to see them. And Miller, that like Travis Green said, that that was just been a, an excellent trade for our team. He's, uh, I think he's really found his own in Vancouver. And I think just getting a little bit more of the, you know, he's a little bit bigger of a fish and maybe somewhat of a smaller pond considering the quality of, of players Tampa has. But uh, moving on to my second line. So I've got Horvat in the middle of Pearson. And this is the interesting one. I think Hoglander is going to make this team out of camp. I think he's played excellent over in Europe. Uh, we've all seen the highlights, but um, uh, I've just managed to, to catch highlights in here and there from Twitter. And what I've seen of him is, is really excellent. And he, hearing a few other takes, I think that, uh, that, that I've been hearing that Hoglander uh, – 
uh, seems to be a guy that could step into our roster depending on on how he performs the training camp. And I think he he could be a, a shot to get in there uh, uh, on that wing. That's an interesting one, actually. I mean, the thing is, is so would you have Toffoli re-signing is the question. Okay, so as far as Toffoli goes, I personally don't think it's possible. I, I just don't think that... Uh, I, the last I've heard of it is that Toffoli wanted to stay in Vancouver and he was... Uh, you know, waiting for Jim Betting to essentially move money out is, but I, I don't think that that's, that it's going to be able to happen considering that I don't think that Markstrom's going to sign for the number that we, that we would like to. Um, and Vancouver could be uh, forced in a position if there isn't a trade market that they like or a free agency market, as far as defense goes, we, we could have to pay money elsewhere to guys like Tory Setchers, like we were talking about earlier. I think there's a whole bunch of combinations that just make the Toffoli contract difficult. So I, th- I think that it's going to, uh, this, this is a time now as defense forward that Jim Benning's draft picks are really going to, to show their worth. And just like you said, with Rathbone, um, if he, if he's like you said, a, a, a guy who can come in um, uh, on defense, it, it, this is more of a testament to Jim Benning's draft uh, drafting, <laughs> and that's why I think Hoglander um, is a guy that that could easily step in. So I'm interested in your bottom six then. Okay, so my bottom six. Um, so I've got Gaudet uh, in between uh, Roussel and Sutter, and so I think that's a bit interesting. So I guess this kind of leans towards that I don't think OEL is going to st- uh, is going to come. Uh, I think Sutter, unless Jim Benning is really on the uh, the moving money. Uh, which would allow us to maybe look at Tafoli and guys like that. But I think Sutter will end up staying. Um, I'd like to see Mott re-signed. I, be- I believe he's a free agent. Um, and between, uh, oh, sorry, uh, with Beagle. And that would be that would be a question mark on our uh, our bottom line for me. I'm not really sure who who could step in because I don't see Jake Vertanen returning to this team. I think we're going to need uh, whatever he's going to demand off the off the books, and we're going to have to co- concentrate our money elsewhere. So you don't think the Canucks really are really going to be able to move any salaries? Like basically, your your team is based on the fact that the Canucks will not be able to move any of these salaries of either Sutter or Louie, and they're going to have to shed other players in order to to um accommodate the uh the salary cap correct yeah that's it that's exactly what i'm saying and you know i'm really optimistic i hope jim betting can be can move uh contracts out but i think that uh maybe as far as brad and center goes we saw a little bit from the playoffs that could increase his stock but as far as the louis erickson contract goes um you know i wish jim betting all the all the best of luck but i i really would find it tough for him to be able to move that contract selling louis alone on his defensive abilities and sort of penalty killing and little things um, you know Louis did have some, some good plays when he uh, when he played but I think that people other than the fact that he I believe he's not owed a, a lot of money uh, in terms of real dollars uh, towards the end of his contract which might make him a, a target but like we were talking about before I think it's the, the only major blip on the radar so far is the OEL stuff and I think <clears throat> Boston could really provide a better uh, package if if it's between these two teams and uh, Arizona doesn't wait on, which is really the biggest factor here. And I think that's that's really delayed my ability to think about what what lineup what lineup's going to be in since this uh, development's gone on. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm of the other uh, thinking that I think Sutter is a movable asset. I think he's a guy that will you can kind of convince a team to take him on because of his veteran uh leadership and you know his penalty killing ability and his, his money's not overly bad i mean he's only had one more year on his contract as well so team that maybe i may have to eat one year um and have him in the lineup but i and i i do actually see erickson moving as well i mean i'm maybe a, a very optimistic on those points but i think they're bending can potentially make something work with one team uh to do that because 
I mean, bringing back a third line of uh, Godet, Roussel, and Sutter, I don't think is the right way to move forward because, I mean, you need a third line uh, to be able to be that guy, that line that can push the pace. And I, I just don't see Godet between those two. Godet's going to be losing that, like we saw in the playoffs. He just, he needs some offensive-minded guys on his line to maximize his uh, quality and his and his value. So, I mean, I think if if that is a third line going to next season, I think that's a big failure on Benning's part in the offseason. Yeah, I think also one area that I, we haven't mentioned yet is the Josh Leva question as well. I know he's injured as well and he's uh, he's unsigned, but he, he could be a guy that, you know, he has had that offensive player coming when he he showed it as soon as he's come from came from Toronto uh, and and he showed it so far all season uh, except for when he's been injured. I think Josh Levo, if we can get him done too, could be a guy that we could slot into the uh, into the third line. But again, that just de- depends on where the other dominoes fall. Yeah, so I, I'm so so pretty much. I mean, if I'm looking at your lineup here on on paper here, you're pretty much coming back with the same team minus Vertanen. And, um, but you do have, I assume you have Jacob Markstrom resigned. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. So, so again, you're pretty much coming back with the same team minus Toffoli, um, asking Hoglander to be able to, to provide those points, which, which he seemed really confident in his ability to do that. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, but pretty much the same bottom six. What was the bottom? What was the bottom line? The, 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 the fourth line? So I had uh, Mott coming back. Um, but uh, with Beagle in between him and uh, I guess I'd say Levo as well, if not Levo onto the third line uh, and bring either Roussel or Sutter down. There you go. Um, yeah, interesting. It's interesting. It's it would be uh, I would have a tough time with that. I, I, I would honestly I would actually agree with Matt on this that that if that's the team they came back with, um, I'd find it very hard for them to make the playoffs. They'd see Matt, they need to see massive regression in a lot of the other teams around them in order for them to be consistent and make the playoffs with that team. And if, if that's the case, then very clearly the, um, the contracts of Beagle, Sutter, Erickson have, have um, wait, again, you, you've got a, a year almost wasted of, of Hughes and, and Pedersen on their ELCs. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is like, I still feel that Benning can get something done because, you know, you to, to increase, you know, the ability, the thing is you've got to maximize what this, I mean, I'm not saying the window is, is wide open and, you know, it's something that's going to be, you know, we have to do something in the next few years, but I think Benning's got to do something to increase, uh, you know, the ability of this team to win games because, you know, yes, they made the playoffs. Yes, they did well, but you look at the way they won sometimes and the way they lost sometimes it didn't, it didn't inspire confidence a lot of the time to be for them to be able to, uh, consistently win games because you can't always ask your starting goaltender to be that guy that'll stand on his head all the time. Uh, you need to be able to help him out sometimes too. And uh, having a top, like we've talked in the past about a top nine and, uh, you know, having a line with Sutter, Godet, and Roussel, I think you still only have the top six. Um, ideally, you have Hoglider. I have Hoglider making the team as well, but uh, he's on the third line. And, uh, you know, if he's on a third line, then the team is deeper. Yeah, I, I agree with what most, of, most of what you're saying. It's just, it's just that I guess I, uh, I don't have the confidence in, in Jim, Bell, Jim Benning's uh, organization to be able to move out these contracts. I guess that's subject to change depending on how the market goes. Um, but historically, I, I, I just think we haven't been able to see him to move these contracts. And I don't think that he's going to be – if he does be, uh, 
managed to move some of them. Um, I don't know what the cap situation would like would look like to be able to replace some of these guys. So yes, I've I've come back with a very similar lineup. And whether that has playoff implications, I think really rests on the shoulders of guys like our lotto line uh, and Horvat and got our young guys really improving. And I think that they're consistent there. They've seen to uh, continuously be taking these steps. Uh, the playoffs were amazing to watch guys like Hughes seem to be absolutely unreal. And if they're going to continue steps, which, you know, so far that's what things have led us to believe. I think that they could really uh, make up for a few of the gaps and whether or not they're, whether or not they're a, a bonafide playoff team, uh, hopefully they are, but I think that that's, from my perspective, I think at least that, that's what I'm going to see. Yeah, I mean, the good news for Vancouver right now is that they have um, the agents for these players trying to move them because I'm pretty confident. I, I don't think Louis is going to see ice in Vancouver. I think they're going to send him down and take the $1 million cap savings uh, no matter what. That's what I think is going to happen. So they'll, they're going to count every penny that way if they can. And, and uh, you know, $1 million is $1 million to closer to, to better, a better, more complete team. So, um, you know, I think they're, you know, the good thing is they're trying to do that. And, you know, again, there's a chance that with only $5 million remaining on that contract, Louie might be able to say, you know what, I'm going to cancel it. And you can probably make the same money playing full-time in Europe. Yeah, for the, sure. That's a, that's a thought. Um... And yeah, I mostly agree with what you what, what you said. Yeah, um, Louis Erickson, that would be. I, I think that he is fa- he is probably the most favorable out of any of them to be moved uh, since his deal was, I believe, it was front loaded, um, which is why it would be interesting to see if he could go in the Arizona talks. But yeah, like you mentioned, putting him down for the salary relief into the AHL. Um, if the Canucks are going to count every penny, would just as you say, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Like we said, the thing is, it's going to be interesting to see what Benning is able to do. He hasn't done anything like zero right now. He hasn't re-signed even Tyler Mott, uh, which I believe is probably the easiest one. But I mean, it's guys that he's trying to re-sign. He's trying to do things, which is, I mean, it's a positive. It's not like you know, in the past we've seen you know, GMs sit on their hands and say, you know, oh yeah, we're fine. We're fine. He's clearly trying to make some moves. He's clearly trying to do some stuff. So uh, you can't fault him um, for attempting. It's just, like you said, Zane, it's, it could be difficult to be able to move some of these contracts. And uh, I think, I think ultimately, you know, if this OEL trade does get done, I think Erickson is definitely in that trade um, because I mean, otherwise it could be Sutter it could be there too but I think Erickson's definitely in those talks yeah 100% he is yeah I think for sure that that would be one of I think for sure Arizona in their contract situation would need him to go and I think at at that point that's what's giving me confidence in this OEL situation um and like you said I I, as far as Boston goes I, I I don't know if they're going if uh, OEL is really going to look at their team. I know he, he's listed them in, on their teams as well, but I think Vancouver has really uh, become a little bit of a destination spot. And, and then that feels good for fans as well. And that puts a wrench in everything. Um, uh, and as far as contract goes, that's why it's so difficult to say is because Jim Benning hasn't made any moves, uh, especially as, as you know, with Tyler Mott. I do think that that from both sides, that, that would be a, quite a relatively easier deal to get done uh, considering wh- how Mott's uh, done. He, he's definitely owed a raise, but I don't think of, it's, uh, of anything too significant that would uh, take away from other guys as far as anything goes. But I think he's been a consistent guy as well. And I would love to see him back on our team. Yeah. So it's, it's like I said, it's going to be uh, you know, all hands on deck with everything coming on. And it, it's going to be crazy, a crazy off season of, and a short off season. So 
yeah, thanks, Zane, for for coming on the show. It, uh, it was great discussing uh, the Canucks with you, and I definitely wanted to get you on again because I heard you have a lot of stories that you want to share as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. It's been an absolute pre- uh, pleasure being on. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the podcast so far. I think you guys are really uh, inquisitive and I'd love to come on again. And yeah, for sure. I've got a lot of stories that uh, I'm sure you guys would love to hear. All right. Yeah, thanks, Zane. And uh, go Canucks, go. We'll, we'll, we'll see what else is going to happen in the next few days because I, I really anticipate some moves coming in the next couple of days. So it's going to be great and uh thanks everyone for listening uh to the podcast again uh we keep increasing on listeners and uh, you know and it's very very thankful for everyone listening in and thanks zane for for the positive feedback because uh we're relatively new here still so it's been it's been a great ride uh so far and again we're part of the hockey writers podcast network as well so go ahead get on uh, hockey writers to read some some articles there And uh, thanks again for listening and uh, go Canucks go.